1 Corinthians 12 tonight. We'll bring the lights up for you um, so you can see. 1 Corinthians 12. Don't miss the connection between those two songs. The reason we aren't shaken is because the story has already been written. The victory is already won and uh, we, just have to, we just have to endure. And we don't endure by ourselves. So we are uh, in this together. And that's uh, a part of what I want to talk about for a few minutes tonight, um, is what that togetherness looks like, and how God has strategically uh, put things together in just the right way. Um, over the summer, you know, we had, uh, so our, our normal community groups, like our regular semester, will start uh, the week of Labor Day, so not this coming week, but the following week. And, uh, but in the summers, we take a little break and kind of give our leaders some time off and um, kind of change the rhythms up. And we did a six-week deal in the fellowship hall back here where everyone comes together. And um, the, the problem, part one of the problems with doing that is that it's really difficult for, for everyone to make all six of those. You know, some of you weren't able to come to any. And some, you know, some were there a little bit. But, uh, you know... During that time, it, it seemed like God was kind of bringing some things to the front for us to be talking about. And so uh, I'm taking uh, last week and this week and next week to kind of review some of that stuff. Because it is vital as we uh, pursue some things that God has in front of us. Uh, we're, you know, we're in, in a place as a church where we're, we're searching for a home of our own. We are uh, searching for a third staff member. We are uh, uh, on the cusp of planting a mission church in Zachary. And so we're like, pursuing these really big things. And God has had some themes that he's kind of just come back with over and over again uh, to talk about. And so if you weren't here last week, uh, there's a, the, the podcast is there for you to kind of catch up a little bit on, on things but one of the things that God has been really insistent on with me and I feel like the elders and staff and a lot of our, of our people as we're talking is that uh, all three of those things we're pursuing are about reaching more people who are not walking with him. Now, they've either never met him as Savior and Lord before, they, they do not know Jesus, uh, or they, uh, they are not currently walking closely with him. Maybe they used to, and they kind of just wandered away from it, or, or whatever. Uh, but, but there are people all over our city who need to be in rooms like this. Maybe not this one specifically, but they need to be gathering with other saints on Sundays to, to worship and to pray and to study the scriptures together. And they need to be walking deeply in community. Most importantly, though, they need to be walking with their Savior. And if they aren't, then it's He sent us to them. Uh, to bring them some very important messages, uh, namely that they are uh, loved by him, and eternally so, so much that he would die for them, just like we've been singing about. And that uh, he desires to not only walk with them into eternity, but he, he desires to walk with them now, that whatever it is that they're facing. And so we as his church, we are his ambassadors. We're, we're the messengers that are sent uh, ahead. We're there to, to proclaim that good news that a Savior was born, and a Savior has died, and our Savior has risen, 
that he has come and he will come again. There's this beautiful story that we take to them. And so as we do this, uh, God has, has put his church together uh, and he's organized the efforts to reach those who are not working with him. It's not just this random thing that's happening. It's incredibly strategic on God's part. And so one of the things that we spent two of those Wednesday nights talking about that I kind of want to bring into tonight and in, into next week a little bit um, is this idea of, uh, that, that we are all like, gifted in really specific ways by God to, to be able to work together to bless one another and to take that message to the world around us. And the church word is, is spiritual gifts. You know, you, you maybe, if you've been around church for a while, you probably heard that. Like, you need to know your spiritual gift. You need to be using your spiritual gift. Um, you need to take this spiritual gifts test. You need to read this book on spiritual gifts. You've you got to be doing it. You've got to be doing it. You've got to be doing it. And it's easy to just assume that everyone in the church all over the world understands what that term means and what it doesn't mean and all that kind of stuff. And, and we've talked about this over the years as a, as a church, but I want to bring it to the front of our discussion again and just kind of basically just, I just want to unpack that whole idea, you know. So, if, so this might feel like review if you happen to be there on one of the weeks when we were there, but this is the sermon version of, of that. But if you weren't there, then this kind of like brings you up to speed a little bit. And 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 is going to be kind of the working definition verse. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that verse and just kind of slice it up a little bit and, and kind of like see, okay, what is, what is Paul talking about in this verse that's so important for us to grab onto so that whenever someone says the phrase or someone says, when they refer to spiritual gifts, I should say it that way, that there are certain things, certain things that come to mind right away. Um, so hopefully by the end of this, that will kind of be the case. So the verse... Verse 7, this is our working definition. Paul says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Nice and simple. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So I'm going to kind of jump around that one verse. Um, I want to I start with the manifestation of the Spirit part. Without assuming that, that we're all on the same page about that, let's, let's think for a second. What does manifestation of the Spirit mean? Well, the Greek word that is there, um, it, it, means, uh, well, it means manifestation. That's why, that's why it's translated that. But it also is used uh, in another part of Paul's, one of Paul's letters to describe an, an open statement about the truth. In other words... When, when, you're, when you see this word manifestation, what he's talking about is an announcement. That's how that would be, that's how we're, that word is used during Paul's time, is when they would hear that word, they would think announcement. They would think a, a proclamation of what is true. They would think a, a, a manifestation uh, in, in the true sense of the word. And if you look up the word manifestation, a part of what, what is conveyed in English is it's, it's when something that is abstract uh, becomes like, like tangible. It's like the embodiment of something that's really abstract. So, um, what do, you know, if, you're, if you're trying to, to explain hate to someone who doesn't understand what hate is, I mean, you could be like, it's like when you really 
hate someone, you know, and they're like, oh, I, don't, I still don't know what the word means. You can't say it longer and I understand what it means suddenly. It's like, no, no, what, what does hate look like? And so what you, do, what you could do is you could basically pull up the news and say, well, hate is when you don't like a group of people, so you go get in your car and you drive into them to try to kill them all. That's what hate looks like. That's a manifestation of hate. So, so when, when those kinds of things happen, when those kinds of crimes happen, we call them hate crimes because it's the manifestation of hate. It's the announcement of hate. It's the embodiment of this kind of abstract thing that then it becomes concrete. You're like, okay, now I know what hate is because it was just expressed in that way. When someone says, I don't really understand love, then, then like, like love like takes on these forms and that's how we understand what, what love is. Even down to, to something like, if, uh, if an alien were to come here and, um, and they were like, hey, you know, I, I, can you tell me what a rose is? And you're like, well, it's like, it's a, you know, it's a flower. And you're like, okay, I don't know what a flower is. Like, oh, okay. It's like a, it's like a plant. It's a plant that, it's like it, does, you know, like you can like act it out or you can whatever. But the way that you would explain to this alien what a rose is, is you would take them to a rose bush. And you'd say, this is what a rose is. And sometimes, like depending on times of year and stuff, you would take them to a rose bush, but it would just be like a green thing. Because roses, don't, they're not in bloom all the time. And so you would tell them, you're like, okay, see that, see that, little, that little kind of like round thing that's there? In a few days, it's going to open up. It's going to... It's going to manifest, you know. It's going to announce itself. It's going to embody this vague, abstract concept of rose. And then you'll be like, that's what a rose is. So, mash all that into, into like this one understanding. The manifestation of the Spirit. Verse, verse 7. Uh, in verse 7, it's Spirit and it's... a. a Capital S, which means that we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So you have the our God is three in one. He's Father, Son, Spirit, and the Spirit of God is what dwells within a a believer. And so the manifestation of the Spirit is it's like we take all those explanations and drag that over into our understanding of God. That here's this abstract thing. Right to most of the world, it's like, well, God. I mean, God's like, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it's it's the manifestation of God. So Jesus was like the word. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is a manifestation. And Paul is saying that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each of us. Meaning, just like that rose. Just like the embodiment of some, something abstract, that for each of us, God Himself makes an announcement through your life. So this is who I am. This is this is what I'm like. God makes Himself tangible. In Galatians five, you don't need to turn here, but Paul he gives he gives a list of of what this what this looks like. You know, like what is the what does the manifestation of the spirit look like in someone's life? He calls it the fruit of the spirit. You could you could think of it in the in the same way as as the rose, or the same way as the embodiment of something that's abstract. So, what's the fruit 
of the Spirit, not fruits. Fruit. It's one fruit. It's described in a bunch of different ways. You know, if that same alien was like, hey, tell me what, what is an orange? You know, you wouldn't just describe an orange in one way. You would be like, oh, it's, it's awesome, first of all. And uh, it's about as big as my fist. And, you know, it has like a, it's like round and it's kind of porous. And it's the color orange, which I'm not sure which came first, but that's irrelevant. Uh, and you peel the back and it's in wedges. And each wedge like contains all these little pods of like amazingness. And, you know, like you would describe it in all these different ways. And so what Paul does is he's like, okay, the fruit of the Spirit is, and he starts listing because you can't just say like one thing. The announcement of the Spirit of God in our lives is not just this one thing, it's all these things. So he's like, it's, well, it's love and it's joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self control. And like, so he's. And I'm just convinced that when Paul starts making these lists, he's not like, yep, that's all I can think of. I think he's like, okay, I only have so much scroll here. You know, like I think he's he's really like, uh, okay, I'm just going to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. That the manifestation of the Spirit is like is like when God announces himself in your in your life, in my life, when that rose opens up, he's like, yep, patience. Like God, God's patient with us. He's just inherently patient. He's also super joyful, you know, like God's not moping and sad all the time. Like he, he is a God who celebrates. He's a God who, he gets excited, you know, that the, the fruit that's opening up in, in, in our lives, it's him. It's, it's when there's like this incredible self-control. And so the manifestation of the spirit in verse seven is really, it's in that same line of thinking. Saying to each is given this, this beautiful way that God makes an announcement through your life. He says, yep, these are, like this person was made in my image, and, and I want to prove it to you. And so here, here's, this is what a rose is. This is what an orange is. This is what love looks like. This is, this is who God is. That's why, that's what he has done, that's why he has done it. So in a couple of passages that we're not going to look at these, but in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, he lists all these, these possibilities. So the fruit of the Spirit that, that Paul is talking about, he's like, okay, this is, just, this is just naturally like who you are. And then in terms of spiritual gifts, he has like all these other lists of ways that they show up. And these will make sense in, in a little bit. But let me, let me just show you all these ways that he lists. He said there's preaching, evangelism, missions, apostleship, teaching, encouragement, wisdom, discernment, knowledge, service, mercy, hospitality, pastoring, shepherding, giving, intercession, healing, miracles, praying with the Spirit, leadership, administration, organization, faith. I mean, like he's just like, hey, let me just describe all of these ways that God makes himself known through, through his people. He's like, hey, you may show you how I'm living inside of this person. Watch this. He just manifests. That that's what we're talking about in terms of spiritual gifts. First Peter 4, let me read these to you. This, this is 10 and 11. Peter kind of, he kind of, you know, like Paul, Paul loves to rattle off all these lists. And, and Peter is like, look, I ain't got time for all these lists. <laughs> let me give you two categories. Uh, verse 10 it says, as each has received a gift, 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Verse 11. Whoever speaks as one uh, who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 11, he kind of, he kind of offers up two categories. There's, there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. There are, there are, are people who, who just very naturally, the manifestation of the Spirit comes in the things that they say. And there are people who very naturally, the manifestation of the Spirit comes in the things that they do, like in their actions. And it's not to say that you can only speak or only act. or anything. There's so many you know, things like that. Don't get hung up in that. Just, just think about, though, the fact that God's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to organize things in such a way that, that there are naturally manifestations of my spirit being spoken to one another and naturally manifestations of my spirit being like, acted out together. That I'm going to just announce over and over and over and over again that I live in you and I am at work among you. That's the manifestation of the Spirit. These are all God, ways that God just naturally shows up in your life as you bear His image and you display His redemptive power. So why are they called spiritual gifts? Well, probably because in that verse, verse 7... To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Like he's given, he's given this to you. He's given this to me. I read you 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. 4 to 1 is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So God is the giver of these things. Here's what, here, here's what I want you to grab onto with that. Like he, when, when you are being formed... In your mother's womb, as he like intricately wove you together, he purposely created you to naturally announce his presence in your life. If you have kids, and they're in this room, or if they're in that building, whatever, that God, when, when those children were growing in the womb, God already knew I know exactly how my spirit is going to manifest in their lives effortlessly. Isn't that awesome? Like what a, what a true gift that God would say, here, I, I want to give this to you. I want to make you this way on purpose. Spiritual gifts were never meant to be uh, something that we wear as like a badge or, on the other, other, other end of the spectrum, something that we're insecure about. It's never meant to be something that was beat o- we're beat over the head with, about needing to use more and that kind of stuff. It was, it was never meant to be a weapon. It, it's supposed to be this freeing, liberating invitation into what God is doing. And saying, you know what? You don't even have to work that hard because when I was like, forming your personality and everything about you, I, I built this into you naturally on purpose because I'm awesome 
and I know what I'm doing. And so God has made like this universal, like capital C church, exactly like he wants it to be. Like she is lacking nothing. Our church has been intricately put together, and we lack nothing. And even in seasons, like we're kind of coming, hopefully we're coming out of this time where, where it seems like a lot of people are moving away from Baton Rouge, you know, for different reasons. And um, we've had to say a lot of goodbyes in the last year or two. And I know there's some more that are coming, and those are going to be sad as well. Like Baton Rouge is not, it's not a forever home for everyone. Um, and as difficult as that is, uh, like we're, we miss those people. We miss like those relationships, we also miss the ways that the Spirit of God manifests within them. And so we look around and we think like, man, it's just not the same without these, these people or this person. Or man, how are we going to make it without these folks in our community group and that kind of stuff. And, and so a part of what you're feeling is, is the shift within like the gift mix of, of the body. Where you're like, man, that, they really, they, they brought... They like announce the presence of God so like specifically in such beautiful ways. We're going to miss that, but it doesn't mean that now we are suddenly like missing something because He's put us together. He wouldn't build us as as a body, like Paul uses that analogy. He wouldn't build us as a body and be like, "Oh, I totally forgot the legs. I guess I'll just I guess I'll just be okay for a while." He's like, no, it's like you're complete all the time. And so when new people come in, it's like more gifts. Yeah, but as people leave, we miss them. But at the same time, we have what we need. We're, we're going to be fine. Because he knows what he's doing. And if everyone is just following God into what he has for them, then like when everybody wins. So that manifestation of the Spirit is, is given as a gift to you and to, to us. And it's given to each of us. That's the third point. To each. I mean, re, this is Romans 12, starting in verse 3. Because I know that there's some of you that are probably sitting there being like, I ain't got no spiritual gifts. God does not manifest easily in my life, naturally in my life. Well, Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let's, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, you notice that nowhere in there he's like, okay, to those of you with gifts, here's, here's what you need to do. And to those of you without gifts, sorry. You know, it's, it's spoken of as a given because it is a given. That when, when you were being formed in the womb, and as you're growing up, 
As an image bearer of God, like you're made in his image the way that, that a son and a daughter is in, the, is in the image of their parents. As someone who bears his image, there was, there was like this natural like, image of God that came shining through somehow. And then when you meet Jesus, like when you're like, okay, I need a savior and that's the guy for sure. And you give your life to him and you, you, he, you realize that he's inviting you into his life. Because it's not that you ask him into, you don't ask him into your life. Because I mean, your life, no, he don't want anything to do with your life. It's, you go to his life, and he's like, yeah, this is a better, this is a better direction. Your life's, your life's a mess. His life, not a mess. He invites you into his life. And what happens is there's this empowerment. And so now, now there are these manifestations of the spirit that, that, that kind of like, now they have like a charge to them. So before you know him, there, you are bearing the image, and that's why there are people who want nothing to do with God, who just kind of naturally have some real God-like instincts sometimes, because they're made in his image. It's like, man, how do, how do these people who want nothing to do with Jesus, why, why are they so servant-hearted, and why are they so kind and compassionate, and why are sometimes they doing like, more to, to like, better the world than the church is? It's like, well, because they're made in his image. Like there's, it's a part of literally how they were built. But when, when, when you go into Jesus' life and you cross from death into life, oh, there's this energy there. And suddenly those manifestations that you have given, they kind of come alive. And, 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 that, and that just kind of just begins to be charged. And so if you are a Christian, you have, have entered into the life of Christ, then you fall into this verse 7 where it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. You can't make yourself an exception. Now, you, you might not know exactly what that, look, what that manifestation looks like. You might not be able to fill out a questionnaire that's like, what are your spiritual gifts? You're like, boop, 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 know what they are. You might not know that, and that's fine. That does not mean that you do not have them. You might have been a part of this church for years, and you're still trying to like, find your, your niche, like find your place. That, I mean, we as your church, we want to help you find that. But don't for a second let that whisper to you that you don't have any sort of giftedness, any, any way to contribute to what we're doing. That's a lie. Because you are a part of the to each that has been given. And you are a gift to this church. We tend to, to get real, real amped up about having to label ourselves, you know. I know it's real trendy, like personality tests and gift mixes and all these different, you know, uh, personality types and stuff like that is very you know a lot of people are into that right now and, and that's all fine. Um, spiritual gifts can be that same way too. Of like you know what's your spiritual gift? What's your spiritual gift? Um, can we just just for tonight? Can we just not like worry about that? Can we just more think like hey what when I am myself, what comes most naturally to me? That's that's the beginning point. Is you deeply believe, okay, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given to me and has come alive because Jesus is in me empowering this. When I am just being me, not trying to be someone else, I'm not trying to, to like, uh, I'm not looking at someone else who I think is really gifted and like, let me just like pattern myself after them. I'm like, no, like, I just, let me just be me. That's, that's where you begin. We can help you narrow it down, and, and we're, we're going to take some steps to try to do that, because I do think it's beneficial 
for you to know, like, hey, w- within these lists, this is, those aren't exhaustive lists. You know, Paul's just rattling off a bunch of stuff. There's plenty of other possibilities. But, but when, you're, when you're looking at what Scripture gives us, it's good to be able to narrow that down and say, I, I think I'm kind of this mixture. Because you need to know yourself. You need to be, be confident in how God has built you and begin to really engage in that way. But don't worry so much about that at first. Like, really just recognize, like, man, all I have to do is be myself. And, and I'm, I'm fulfilling my role within his church. John Piper says it this way. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'll come back to that. That's probably better. The last, the last part. For the common good. So, so if you're on board so far, if you're like, okay, alright. Manifestation of the Spirit. The announcement of the presence of God's Spirit within me. Like it... Like the embodiment of this abstract idea of who God is. Okay, like, okay, so I embody some things about God in an energized, like life-giving way because Jesus is in me. And that, is a, that has been given to me as a gift from God to, like, I'm on board with that. I'm not an exception to that. Even if I can't, even if I don't know what my gift mix is necessarily, it's not that I'm an exception. I just need to go on that journey and figure that out. If you're, if you're grabbing onto everything in this verse... It's the last part of the verse I want to end with, where it says, for the common good. Romans 1, 11 and 12, is what it says. Paul's writing this letter to this group of people that he loves, and he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. That, like that's, that's the part of the why with spiritual gifts. Look at it again. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. So verse 7 says it's for the common good. It means that God has not given you really specific and beautiful ways that he manifests in your life. Just to make you awesome, you know, to make you like, just so you'll know your role in the church, to kind of give you a give you a place to, you know, no, 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 no. He's he's made you that way so that people's faith can be strengthened, to strengthen the faith of the people around you. Verse twelve. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. That within, within the relationships that we have, big group, okay, community groups, small groups of friends, family, whatever that needs to look like, me being me is supposed to strengthen the faith of whoever I'm with. That's what a spiritual gift is. It's like, yeah, I, I deeply believe these things. And I, I deeply want you to believe these things too. That's for the good, it's for the common good. It's not just for my good, it's for like our general good. First Thessalonians 3, 2 and 3, this is a similar idea. He says, We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we're destined for this. He's like, look, I sent Timothy to you because you need to be strengthened. 
and he'll get it done. I know how he's gifted. That's why I sent him to you. Because he's got some gifts that you need because your faith, you're struggling with these afflictions, these, these difficulties that you're going through. And so Timothy is going to come in and you need to pay attention to what he has to say. Because he, his manifestations of the Spirit, are, are gonna, they're going to be exactly what you need in these moments. 1 Peter 4.10, I read it a minute ago. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. That the giftedness that you carry into the church is supposed to help, at the end of the day, people to believe more deeply that God is who He says He is. That He's with us, He is for us, that He loves us, He's not forgotten about us. And somehow, you, just being you, like make that happen with people around you. It could be through things that you say. It could be, it could be through things that you do. Next week, I'm going to go through some of the, uh, that big long list of gifts and just kind of like give you like a real quick like explanation of what all these things are. I'm going to kind of get more deeply into that. But for this week, maybe let's not worry about that. Is, is there this belief that, that that is what he has done? Is he's put us together to encourage each other's faith? And when our faith is encouraged, you know what that does? That, that dials us into the mission. And when we're dialed into the mission, we're, we're, we're taking that invitation into Jesus' life to the people who either don't know it or have decided they don't want anything to do with it for a little while. And we're bringing that to them. Because our faith has been strengthened by the church, and so now we're going. And you know what happens when you're talking with, with, like we talked about last week, like when you're talking with some of those family members or close friends or neighbors or classmates or coworkers or whatever it looks like, the people in your life that God's like, look, I've connected you to this person because like, I'm going to invite them to myself through your life. When you're talking with them, guess, guess what your gifts are there to do? Mutually encourage each other's faith. <laughs> Their faith needs to be strengthened. Their belief that God is who he says he is, it needs to be strengthened. And so God has, he's sending you there, and all of a sudden, then you're like energized manifestation of the Spirit is happening through speaking and through acting. So you're just being yourself on, like in the office and on your streets and in the, like wherever it is that you work and with your families and stuff. You just being you is not only a gift for the church together, it's also this evangelistic gift that empowers us to go and take the gospel to those who don't know it. So in either setting, you're just being you, and faith is being mutually encouraged. And God has like done this strategically. It's not random. It's not haphazard. It's not an afterthought. It's absolutely how he has built us. So, the quote I was going to read a minute ago, says, the reason we have spiritual gifts is so that we can strengthen other people's faith. Here is someone, this is his example, here is someone whose faith is in jeopardy. How can I help him? Then you do or say what seems most helpful. And if the person has helped, then you may have discovered one of your gifts. He's like, no, that's really what you do. That's a part of how you figure it out. You know, for a long time, I was not a real big fan of like these spiritual gifts tests. You know, you can... You can go online or you can get a book and you can like take these questionnaires and it kind of at the end is like, hey, here's your, here's your gifts. And a part of that is because you don't see that in the New Testament. Like 
They weren't figuring their gifts out because they found an online survey for a bunch of reasons. They were figuring their gifts out because they were engaging in ministry and like stuff would work or it would not work. And when it worked, they're like, hey, that was pretty natural for me. And when it didn't work, you're like, hey, I don't think that's my gig. Like I tried to be a, I was like a youth intern for like a year. And it was the most clear uh, example of the fact that I should not be a youth minister. I tried it and failed over and over and over again for a year. I was like, you know what? I'm going to bump up an age group. And I went to college ministry and it was a little bit easier. Sometimes you rule out your spiritual gifts by crashing and burning it, but it's fine. That's how you figure things out. Now, I'm opening up more to the idea of these tests and inventories because I think they will help, help put us, push us in a direction. So don't hear me discounting that. But the fact is that when we're, when we're engaged in ministry, you're just naturally figuring out how you're, how you're wired. And so Piper's deal is like, you come across someone whose faith is in jeopardy, and it's like, I need to do something. So do what seems natural to you. Speak, act, whatever. When we're doing that, then God is using that to strengthen faith. Here's one last quote, and then I'm done. This is also John Piper. He says, human nature is more prone to tear down than it is to build up. The path of least resistance leads to grumbling and criticism and gossip. And many there be that follow it. But the gate is narrow and the, wa- and the way is strewn with obstacles, which leads to edification and the strengthening of faith. So the basic problem is becoming the kind of person who wakes up in the morning, thanks God for our great salvation, and then says, Lord, oh how I want to strengthen people's faith today. Grant that at the end of this day, somebody will be more confident of your promises and more joyful in your grace because I crossed this path. That's, that's, the, that's the heartbeat of, of spiritual gifts. Whether it's someone who doesn't know the Lord, someone who's strayed from the Lord, or someone that you like are in covenant community with, as we're engaging with each other, that our deep desire would be, I, just, I want you to believe more than you do now. I believe this deeply. I want you to believe this deeply too. And when it's done like from my belief and it's for your belief, that's, that's when spiritual gifts are being used among us. When, when my source is the vine and my goal is that these branches bear fruit so that other people look at that fruit and they're like, I want to be a part of that vineyard. <laughs> Like, come on, join the vineyard. When, the, when that is what is happening, that is when our gifts are being used to build each other up. And I'm telling you, you are, a, you are a part of this. You're a gift to one another. You're a gift to this church. And you are crucial to the mission to reach those who don't know him. And so our response is going to be what our normal response is. And part of that is going to be communion. And I'll be serving communion today. And as you... Like, if you want to respond to what God is doing, a part of that response, we do this every week because it's stepping forward to Jesus. So if Jesus is offering you his body and blood, he's saying, hey, in, in order to be, like, in order to strengthen faith, you need, you need my power at work. What's up? And so you can step to the table, and that's what will be offered to you, is the grace of Jesus. You can come and pray, you can stand and sing. And look, when we're singing, 
The first song is, is like a very, it's like a, like, let's just, let's be grateful that God has made us a part of him. And, and like, we're like, we're the, like, he's given us a new anthem to sing. The second song is about take, like taking that outward. And so it's, it's both, it's that response together. It's one of gratitude for what we get to be a part of. And it's this seriousness, like I'm grabbing onto the mission that he's put in front of us. And so you are invited to the, the table. You don't have to be a member of this church. And if your, your first step toward Jesus is tonight, um, I think, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he wants communion so bad. He's like, I can't wait. Don't hold me back. If your first step toward Jesus tonight is at this table, then just take it. Earlier, I tried to give him a high five, and he just headbutted my hand. So we got, we got rapport happening. Um, standing and singing, just being a, that. If you're here for the first time, we just kind of have a, a multi optional response time. Whatever God's stirring within you, just welcome that. Let's stand together. Let me pray for us. We'll spend a few minutes just responding. God, I'm thankful for uh, for a simple like verse like that. I mean, one verse that says so much. And there's nothing that any of us have done to earn uh, your love or your... Uh, your invitation into life and the fact that you desire to manifest your spirit in us to announce your presence and your goodness through our lives is just humbling and amazing. And the only reason we're able to, to embrace this is because you, uh, you paid the price for this. I mean, you made a way and we, um, we're grateful for that. And so... The first step toward, uh, a, like, more deeply <clears throat> walking in how you shaped us and formed us, it really is like this uh, acknowledgement of what you have done to make this our reality and uh, to express our gratitude and our love to you. And as we love you more, we love what you're about. And. And the strengthening of the faith that those we come across, no matter where they are in life, uh, that's of incredible importance to you. So as we respond in song and in prayer, communion or whatever, whatever it looks like, uh, we give you this time. We love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. So the table is open. You can come as you are ready. Let's give him these, these closing moments of response before we're sent back out.